welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Guys, yeah, okay. So I'm going to share about a journey of this church. So I want you to hear. So we start the church, and the church is magnificent, and we love it, and we we're so blessed of all that God has done over these 25 years. So blessed that you've all come, that you're here. We've got, you know, brand new people that have been here for six months and even less, and we've got, you know, marvelous people that have been here for uh, for almost 25 years. The the, the Cherkovs in particular, beautiful Tony. Thank you for my door. Oh, can't believe it. He just comes and fixes my door. It's so great. So we are so blessed for all that God has brought us all together, those who've been with us a long time and not so long, and how God, what God is doing in this church is very exciting. And one thing that's been an interesting thing for those of us who grew up under the church growth era is the whole question of church size. And so over the years, Chris and I have really pondered, examined, sometimes struggled with this issue how big should this church be, you know, should it be like a mega church, we're meant to be as big as Phil Pringle and Brian Houston, we're meant to be big or small, we don't know, and then, you know, you can sometimes feel like there's quite a lot of pressure, you know, for everyone to be bigger, like, what are you doing wrong, we're like, I don't know, what are we doing wrong, like, we want to be bigger, we want to be smaller, but there's been quite a a lot of, uh, it's a very big issue amongst pastors, there's a very strong push in the church growth movement for every church to be bigger and there was a lot of pressure on pastors around that, around that issue and there was a lot of kind of a sense almost that if your church wasn't bigger that you were doing something wrong and, and that's not easy to deal with over the years because you're like, especially when you see and you've probably, some of you have been in bigger churches and we love bigger churches, we love churches of all sizes but sometimes in a bigger church you think, yeah, I'm not actually sure that you're doing it better. Maybe maybe we're doing it better. So it's kind of like, what's going on here? So, you know, um, we just prayed and sought God and we just continue to serve and love what we're doing here. But it was a bit of a, an issue. And God has brought us some great revelations over the years, just especially the last few years, and some wonderful people that we have discovered who are starting to say, actually, all size churches are good if they're a good church. Just in the same way that all families are good if they're a good family. I mean, some have two kids, some have four, some have eight. They're not necessarily better parents. They just have bigger families. And we started to understand that God rejoices in the different sizes of families and the different sizes of churches and that they're not a problem. And for me in particular, I got this concept of apple trees and oak trees. And I just thought, you know what? You can have an apple tree and an oak tree. And yeah, Brian and Phil, God bless them, they're oak trees and that's awesome. We like a great big oak tree. They make a statement to the nation. Good on them. But we're not an oak, oak tree, clearly. We're an apple tree. Will we become a bigger church? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't care anymore. Because at the moment, we're an apple tree and we are a very healthy apple tree. And the issue is not whether or not you're an apple tree or an oak tree. The issue is how good is the fruit? How healthy is that fruit? Because I'm telling you, if you've got a good apple, a good apple is a fine thing. And some would say, don't say this to the big church guys, but some might even say an apple's a little tastier than an, 
acorn. And uh, so we'll, we, won't, we won't tell them that because they don't think that. But anyway, um, it's true. <laughs> and it would appear, as I've done my research, that most people think that because 95% of churches all the way around the world have 200 people or less. And 90% of people all the way around the world drive past the local big church to get to a small church. 90% of people in the world go to a church this size or smaller. That's what people want, apparently. So is Jesus doing something wrong that most people and most churches are around about this size? Or is that just the perfect size for a church and a pastor and for people to know their pastor and fix their doors and that kind of thing? So we've just come to this wonderful place, praise God, of peace and joy about our apple tree, apple trees and oak trees. And now we're going around telling everyone. We go around all these other pastors. Some of them are still you know, hitting themselves on the back because they don't have a thousand people. And we're like, you know, there's apple trees and oak trees and an apple tree actually isn't a failed oak tree. An apple tree is a successful apple tree. So praise God for all the different types of churches, right? So that was our little journey and I'm so blessed by it. It's been so wonderful. And then I get onto, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter and I start following this guy called Carl Vaders. And this message is starting to filter through. It's like this new thing. And I'm following this guy who's written a book called The Grasshopper Principle. And he has gone through the same journey as we have and made the same discoveries and written a book about it. And ironically, is now really famous for that book. <laughs> but um, he's written a book about it and, and I'm following his fabulous post. He just challenges everything we ever thought we knew about churches and the way they're meant to be. And he's just going, where does it say this in the Bible? Where, where, where in the Bible does it say this? Where does it? He's, it's fantastic. So I'm following this guy on Twitter and I make a little comment and say, um, and say, you know, you should come to Australia. And he's like, and he, you know when someone responds? You know when a person that's a little bit famous says, yeah, I might do that. And I'm like, oh, oh he answered me. <laughs> so that was cute. So anyway, so then the next development is we went to this conference last week. And, oh, it was so wonderful. It was so good. Sometimes you just got to go where the word of God's being preached and go where someone wonderful is. And this beautiful prophetess called Izzy de Gassini, gets on the keyboard like this and she just starts to sing and prophesy in the spirit. There was also a great preacher, Mike Connell. You can Google him and listen to him. He was amazing. But I just want to talk about Izzy and her prophecy. She's just just singing and prophesying. She's so anointed. I was just like, oh, it was so beautiful, so beautiful. And, uh, and I'm wanting one. I'm like, please give me one of these. I'm sitting in the front row and she didn't say your name. She would just, she'd just look at you and she'd go, and you get, is she looking at me? She's looking at me. I said to I said to Kiralee, is she looking at me? She goes, yeah, yeah. So I said, babe, she's looking at us. And goes, I don't think so. I go, I think she is. Come on. So we go up, and she gives us this this prophecy, and it's so exciting because it goes along. I can't. I mean, she sang it. She sang it. It was so beautiful. So it was slow because she's singing, and I'm not going to sing it to you, and neither am I going to tell you at all. But I'm going to tell you a little bit. She said this. New apples for your family. And she, I'm like, what? I'm not going to sing the rest, okay? I'm not as good as she is. She's got a stunning voice. New apples for, she said that three times. New apples for your families. Fresh apples for your families. She said, you're making apple pies you're bringing people in and they're sitting under that tree. You're making apple pies. 
There's nothing hindering them from coming in. You make people belong. You help people to know they belong. You help people know that they belong as you sit under the apple tree. There's a lot more too that was for us and that was just about his love, his love for us and his love for the people and his love for the, the, the fresh apples and the apple pies that we're making under the apple tree. And she finished off with singing, you will always find me. You'll always find me. You'll always find me under the apple tree. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm just like, oh my goodness, that is so gorgeous. The apple tree. I just really it was so beautiful. And I went out to her afterwards and I said, I said, Izzy, I cannot explain to you the journey that we've been through. And for you to be singing about apple trees, and I told her very briefly, apple trees like trees and children. And she was like, I'm so glad because I was like, apple trees. I'm like, God, is this, is this okay? And she was thinking like, it's a little bit odd sitting under the apple tree. I'm going on about apples and apple tree. And she's just thinking, she, you know, when you prophesy, someone's like, okay. <laughs> she was so blessed that I said, no, it's, it's a thing. We talk about it with all the pastors we meet, apple trees. And she was, she was blessed. She was blessed that we shared that with her. So it's very exciting to know that God is affirming what we have discovered, that there are all different sized churches, but this is a good church and this is an apple tree and we've got good fruit and there's plenty of fruit for all of you and there's new fruit and good fruit as we sit under the apple tree, in the covering of church, in a safe, beautiful place. And we even have a tree, like the whole thing. It's just so beautiful, so beautiful. And we're making apple pies. We're blessing everyone. And we are going to tell a lot of churches about this because churches need to be encouraged. All churches, big and small, need to be encouraged. So then Carl Vader's responds, this is actually before this, and says, I will come to Australia. If anyone's got any contacts, let me know. So we're like, well, I mean, we'll, Chris emails him and he says, well, we, we know some friends. I guess you want to preach in Sydney. We might be able to work something out. He goes, oh, hey, okay, Chris, Chris Brown, sure, let's work something out. So he can't find anyone in Sydney that wants to have him. So we go, well, you can come to our church. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. So in February, we are running a conference with Carl Vaders is coming to this church, who, by the way, isn't God hilarious? Carl Vaders is six foot six. He's a giant, which is hilarious that he is doing this conference for local churches. And we are holding it here in our church. And every single pastor we tell says, oh, I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. So I'm like, okay, this is really exciting. So we're holding an apple tree conference. We probably won't call it that because, you know, apple conference, it might be a bit like, so <laughs> someone's tried to nick that name even though it belongs to us. So um, it's just really exciting. So we're going to have this conference in February uh, for local churches. So you're all invited. You probably all have to come and help us. And we're going to ask lots of pastors and lots of people to come who want to be blessed with this, um, how good God is with local church. So isn't that a cool story? So after this, we all go and sit under the apple tree and get blessed. Awesome. Yay. Cool. I'll leave that there for you. Great. Okay. Isn't that cool? 
And so, yeah, Carl, uh, this guy, he's written two great books. One, uh, The Grasshopper Myth. Yes, kids, God bless you. Off you go. Uh, and, uh, and the other one about essential small church, he says, which puts a lot of people off because no one wants to be small. But as we've said, the reality is most churches are not numbered in the thousands, but in the hundreds or even just the dozens. But God's still there. And a lot of good things going on. And he's unpacking that with his blog and through his books. And it's, uh, it's a, a very refreshing uh, message um, for a lot of people and pastors. And, uh, and he, he doesn't just sort of go against big churches or only talk about small churches. He's very clever. He's got a lot of good, lot of good things to say. So we'll host a seminar, one-day seminar. I think it's the 15th of uh, February. Uh, and then we'll have him preach here on the Sunday. And he's travelling with his wife. And the reason he's coming is for a major conference up in Queensland, but then he's doing some other ministry around the place. So that'll be cool. Um, come on, why don't you stand up for a moment? Uh, and we just, uh, in God's presence, come around the Word just for a little while. And then, as I said, I want us to pray uh, at the end of the service, have a time uh, where we open up the altar just on response to something in the Word of God for us today. Lord, we, we do thank you for every uh, facet of your church all over the world and we are uh, here uh, uh, God contending for all that you want to do and be in our lives and our church and in our community and part of that Lord is, is continually coming to your word and, and, and listening to what you have to say to us as individuals and as a church I pray you'd speak to us today help us to take a hold of things to apply to our lives for your glory and everybody said amen, amen. cool have another seat um, yeah, thanks. You good? You need a chair? You're young, you're strong, but you're a good girl. All right. So um, I want to just share a little bit, and then we're still going to have time to have a, 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 a prayer uh, altar call time. Um, you know, in the book of Isaiah, he wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus came, 750 or so years. It's a pro prophecy, right? Isaiah the prophet. You've all heard of him. If you haven't, you can read the book over lunch take you a little while be a long lunch but um uh so in Isaiah 53 uh he prophesies incredible accurately uh, incredibly accurately about Jesus and how Jesus would die some of the details of the suffering of Christ in order for us to receive this great salvation so you've got this amazing prophecy in Isaiah 53 then Isaiah 54 you've got this amazing blessing that is there for people of faith because he's opening things up prophetically to go beyond just the, the call of God for the people of Israel to the whole world that we are part of as Jesus came and basically made salvation available for everyone. And so in Isaiah 54, you've got that passage, Sing, O barren woman. Uh, you've got stretch out your tent pegs. So this is a prophetic message for people to have faith in God for the blessing of God. And then you move into Isaiah 55 and you've got this amazing invitation that I want us to read. In Isaiah 55, we're looking at the New King James Version uh, for good reason, I'll tell you about in a minute. And it says this, Isaiah 55 verse 1, Ho, ho, everyone say ho, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. There, you like that little illustration? And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money 
for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy it. Listen carefully to me. This is God speaking, right? And eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. <laughs> that word abundance in Hebrew is fat, which, you know, in our culture, it's like, yikes, we've all got enough of that. It's not so good. It's bad. It's terrible. We've all... But in some cultures where food's a little scarce, fat is a great word for abundance. In fact, in Thailand, it's a compliment. My pigeon Thai is just to the level where I've been with Thai people and I've seen a guy come in to greet his friend and basically say, hey, you're fat. And I'm thinking, how's he going to respond? He's like, oh, thank you. So are you. And they say, you're fat as a compliment because... You know, a lot of Asian people are real skinny and if he's putting on a little bit, it's like, I'm abundant, I'm prosperous, I'm blessed. Anyway, little cute point, I think. But come back to Ho. Ho. This is like the Hebrew version of Kui or listen up or hey. And the reason I wanted to read it from the New King James is because it, not all translations keep that word in their translation, but it's in the Hebrew. The word just, ho, this announcement, God saying, I want your attention. Listen, this is a big deal. And then it goes on and throws out this invitation. Anyone, everyone who what? Thirsts. Now, we all know what thirst's like. And I think it's hilarious that I don't know how we survived childhood if you're over 50 because we didn't drink water. And our parents didn't drink water. They drank tea, we drank fizzy drink and cordial. And these days, everyone's going around with water. Got to have my water. Got to hydrate. Got to hydrate. Everyone's got, and forget plastic. If they're going to have a little metal thing. And in fact, a great big one. And, and everyone's hydrating. And, and, and then it's worse because if you feel thirsty, what do they say? You're already dehydrated. Ah, I'm going to die. And it's like, I feel thirsty. It's too late. You know? It's like, no, you've got to be hydrated. So you've got to drink before you're thirsty. It's like, really? All the time. So everyone's, you've got to wake up in the morning. Healthy people like my wife, they drink water every morning. Like, lots of it. And... I'm not even thirsty, but I'm supposed to drink water. You know, I'm thirsty when I preach. It's the only time I drink a lot of water and, and don't get in trouble for not drinking a lot of water. Um, I just think that it's funny. But anyway, we all know water's great and we all get thirsty. But the challenge is to recognise that you're thirsty in the spirit. Because a lot of people are not aware that it is a spiritual thirst that they have for the dissatisfaction, the unhappiness, the angst, the pain, the struggles, the stuff that's going on on the inside. And just as verse 2 says, why do you spend money for what, doesn't, for what isn't bread? Why are you going to spend money on stuff that doesn't satisfy? Because we can go to all these other kind of places that are counterfeits to the water that only God offers. That only the presence of God and the, the, the salvation that Jesus provides and the and the commitment of a life in God's hands will bring that water that satisfies. And as I said, he warns us basically to say, what are you doing going to these other places, going to find alternatives that really don't actually quench that thirst? Because let's face it, there's a lot of attractions. We can spend money on physical things that might make us happy for a little while. We've all done it. We've all gone, oh, I'm looking forward to that new whatever piece of jewellery or motorbike or, you know, surfboard or thing. And it's like, oh, and it's great. And then after a while, it's just a bit of stuff. It's just another thing. It's just, it's not, it doesn't make you happy. And we all know that. And yet, 
the materialism beckons all the time in our society. Say, no, no, that's because you haven't bought the right thing yet. <laughs> One more thing, that might do it. Or, or we feed off entertainment that feeds our soul but doesn't get right down into our spirit. So it you know, can interest the mind or it can satisfy your, your, your soulish sort of entertainment fix and you just wallow in screen stuff coming at you and, and maybe distract yourself from that deeper gnawing thirst and hunger. And so some people go around, sadly, not recognising that there's you know, something deep inside that will only be quenched by the Lord. And, and, and so here's this invitation. And sometimes we're, oh, you know, you can go so many people are traveling or they're getting on the phone and complaining or they're whinging about the boss and, and they're actually making it worse, thinking they're offloading but stirring themselves up. And they get so many different avenues. And yet here is this call to the waters. And, um, and notice the invitation. It says, those who have no money, come and buy. Can we keep it up? That first part of that. Look, you have no money, come buy. Well, how do you buy something without money? Because God's economy doesn't work the way our world economy does. You know, we think, well, I've earned and I've got my money. And I... This is like a, this is more weird than Bitcoin. This is like, you know, crypto spiro. It's like, it's different realm of transaction because God offers by grace and we buy by faith and that's the currency of heaven just stepping in by trusting God just believing God just looking at the promise and saying oh, I'm going to buy that and make this transaction it's almost like a withdrawal from a bank account in heaven where all the promises of God are your your deposits or that the God's put in the account for you like a little kid with the parents or the grandparents giving them a trust account, and they grow up and go, wow, and well, it's all yours. Now you can start withdrawing. You didn't put any in. It's all provided by granddad or generous parents or whatever, and it's just by grace. And then we withdraw by faith. Isn't that amazing? Because it says God's abundant. He, he wants to bless us with abundance, and his grace leads to us being provided. And we, the fact is, you who have no money... It means whatever money you've got, you can't afford this. It's so beyond whatever we can afford. So you can't earn it by being good. You can't buy it with real physical dollars. You, you can't get it, but it's available. You can't earn it, you can, and yet it's still being presented. But we've got to come. We've got to come with faith. We've got to come to receive, yeah? And so this is exciting because look what we're offered. Water, wine, and milk. These, these are liquids that obviously we enjoy in the physical realm. Water, you know, essence of life. I'm thirsty, I'm dying quick. You know, you're already dehydrated, all that. Wine, you know, enjoyment of life in Bible times, also medicinal purposes. Milk, full of nutrition. Give me a moment, I won't take too long, but milk's got over 10 essential nutrients that you need for your life, Right? Vitamins, well, yeah, 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 I'll get there. Potassium, zinc, iron, protein, calcium, bone building, vitamin A, vitamin 12. Now, you don't have to drink milk, but you have to get those vitamins somewhere else. But if you do drink milk, you're going to be blessed with those nutrients. And so I say this because my family kind of roll their eyes about me and my milk drinking, right? Everyone knows in my family, milk is always on the shopping list. If I come back and I've been away and there's no milk in the fridge, 
whoa, you know, that's like, that, that's a bit tough. I don't know if it's ever happened. I think they know. I think it's like, quick, quick, dad's coming back. Somebody go to the shops, make sure there's milk. Yes, I drink a litre a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, put it this way. I've played rugby. I've had a lot of motorbike accidents and I've never broken a bone. Okay. Calcium. There you go. Thank you, milk. Thank you, cows. I love the cows. Go riding in the country. I see the cows. Moo to you. Go. I love them. It's true. I have, look, I have bounced down a motocross track long enough, going fast enough to think this is not going to end well. Like, not just a little, oh, crash into a tree. I've done that too. Thanks, Simon. You know, come off a rock, bashed, in, bashed into a, you know that story, hit a rock on Simon's mate's farm, hit a tree, <gasps> wake up, gasping for breath, feeling pain, cracked ribs, all that. And all I hear is Simon saying, oh, I hope we're not going to do an ambi run, are we? <laughs> I, I, who, what you did, Simon? He put he put the rock back. Yeah, for the next guy. Yeah, but I look. I I I've had you know plenty of crashes. I remember just going down in my cr- anyway. And I, milk, milk, so milk. Come on, I said I wouldn't take too long, and that was short on milk. But the fact is, each of these liquids are represented uh, represent in the Bible spiritual benefits and blessings that God offers us. Because water is, of course, in the scriptures, represents salvation, the life of God, the, the spirit of God, even represents the word of God. Wine represents the Holy Spirit and healing. And milk represents the truth and the nutrition that we get from the word of God. And blessing and prosperity, as in they entered into the promised land where it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And so these are all offered to us by grace. So I just want you to preach that this morning. The Christian life essentially is a spiritual deal. And we can so easily get caught up just doing everything in the physical realm and think with our mind and feel with our soul. But we've got opportunities to make transactions with God, to come and receive and buy by faith without any other resources that we've got and to appreciate what I really need is available only in God. Yeah, and that's, and that's where we're heading. And that's what I want to pray for. I, I really just want to finish with a song and let you come forward. If you want to receive from God today, it may be something that you need a breakthrough in. You're looking for a miracle like that song we sang, God being a miracle worker. Uh, it's true because sometimes we can't get what we need just by making good decisions. And I'm all about making good decisions. In fact, I'll pray for finances today because, you know, of course you get a job. That's a good start. You know, save money, tithe, give. You know, we do all the things. But sometimes there is a spiritual attack. Some of you may feel like there's a spirit of lack or poverty that has come against you because you've got holes in your pockets almost like you're doing everything you can. Or sometimes, and I'll pray for this too, there's doors of opportunity that God can open that you need for your career to further or your, the blessing of God to come so that you can advance forward financially. And so they're things that God can bring on top of all our good decision making, but we want to invite the presence and the power of God onto our lives as well. And then, of course, we always pray for healing. If you're sick in your body, I want to pray for the power of God to move in that area. Um, I just want to read two more verses from this which touches on what's happening in a couple of weeks. And that is verse 10 and 11. When you go down in this chapter and it says, 
the rain comes down, the snow comes from heaven, and look, they do not return, but they water the earth. They make it bring forth and bud, and it may have, so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, in the same way, shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty. It shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So this is the word of God going forth. And this is why we are proclaiming the word in the beginning of the month of our celebration for 25 years. We are not just reading the word privately, which is great. You can study the word, meditate on the word, memorize the word. But there's something about the power of the spoken word, especially when it's the word of God. Because God didn't make the world just by thinking about it or just happening. He spoke things into existence, yeah? created by the spoken word. When Jesus came up against demons or people that were sick, he didn't just imagine or hope or think or plan how they might get healed. He spoke and commanded those spirits to be set out of them and for healing to come. When he was confronted and tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he didn't just think, oh, what am I going to do about this? Or what? Or didn't stress or he didn't speak out the, the anxiety, the stress. What? He disciplined himself and he quoted the word of God and resisted the devil with the power of God's word. And so in the same way, the power of the word of God is going to bring blessing and breakthrough over your life, your family, your church, our community, our nation. And that's why God's leading us to do this proclamation of the word that, as we said earlier, I hope everyone's part of and are excited about that. Yeah. And so these all come with proclamation. Do you remember last week's message? Get the podcast. It was a cracking message. Ironically on humility. No, 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 I'm joking. But it, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, I preached five things about how to enter the presence of God. Prayer of repentance, prayer uh, in the spirit, praying in tongues, uh, hanging around people, the right people, uh, uh, the praises that we send to God. And the fifth one was proclamation of the word take you into the presence of God, make you aware of the power of God. Come on, so much more to be said here, but let's go back to verse one. It says, come to the waters. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.